Welcome to Cathedral Square, hosted by Father Christopher Smith, Episcopal Vicar and Rector of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, California. For the next half hour, you'll have an opportunity to find out about some of the history, little-known facts, and the upcoming events at the beautiful campus on the corner of Chapman and Lewis, or, as we like to say, at the intersection of faith and reason. Welcome to Cathedral Square. I'm your host, Father Christopher Smith, Rector of Christ Cathedral in the Diocese of Orange. On Cathedral Square, we discuss all things Christ Cathedral. We talk about the development of the cathedral, events on the campus, the mission of the campus, and all of the things that are directly related to being a cathedral here in the Diocese of Orange. Today we have a very special guest, Mr. Greg Walgenbach, and Greg is the Director of the Office of Life, Justice, and Peace here in the Diocese of Orange. It's good to have you with us, Greg. Thank you for having me, Father Chris. Greg, would you please give us a sense of the scope of the office that you direct here in the diocese? Well, the Office of Life, Justice, and Peace is really a social ministry office for the Bishop of Orange, and we cover issues from A to Z, from our beginning and end of life, abortion, care for creation, death penalty, foster care, homelessness, human trafficking, migration, uh, through our uh, caring for the whole person work. We're also ministries pertaining to peace, so looking at questions of torture or war or or just peace and all those things. So it really is a holistic office. Here in the Diocese of Orange, we have a separate office for restorative justice. We still do some advocacy around that, but the chaplaincy ministries and the jails are a separate office. But apart from that, we we do really cover a really broad range of uh, issues of social ministry. And how long have you been directing the office? It will be eight years this October. Wow. Hard to believe. Yeah. yeah, that is. Yes. What is your background? What what got you into this ministry in the first place? So I actually came a fairly circuitous route. I was uh, in ministry in uh, other parts of Christianity. So I grew up Baptist. I was a Baptist pastor and I was an Anglican priest uh, for a period of time and uh, did campus ministry uh, before that with a group called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. So I had a variety of places where I was doing ministry of different sorts, uh, which included teaching. It included working with, with groups and ministry, pastoral ministry, but it also always a part of my ministry at each stage was this concern for the poor and the vulnerable and how we live out our faith in the public square and in um, in our communities with those most in need. And so that was always a part of the, the ministries in which I was involved. It was also part of what drew me to the Catholic Church was the more I learned about Catholic social teaching uh, reading the encyclicals, reading about so many, so many saints who poured themselves out for the yes. poor and the marginalized and, and having a great appreciation for them, uh, as a, as an evangelical, as a, as a Protestant at the time. But even more as, as I become a Catholic to, uh, learn from them, emulate them, ask for their prayers in the, in this ministry of, of outreach to those most in need. Well, that gives you a really broad scope of experience and perspective that you bring to this work. Well, it's been great ecumenically. I do have a fairly, you know, my mom was a Lutheran, taught at a Lutheran elementary school. Uh, my dad's side of the family, a lot of Irish Catholics on that side. And I went to a non-denominational Christian high school, a Baptist church. So I really did have a broad uh, range. And it's great because in this work here in the Diocese of Orange now, you know, a lot of the work around pro-life issues, around social justice issues is has a lot of ecumenical components to it. You know, we have a lot of common cause with other faith communities to work on these issues of homelessness and poverty and trafficking and all the rest. So, 
Well, I think probably to help us give a context for our conversation today, it might be good to just do a little thumbnail about uh, Catholic social teaching in general. Uh, It's based, of course, on the respect for the dignity of life, uh, our Catholic teaching that all people are created good. God doesn't have an A list and a B list. (laughs) God has one list and that we're all created in God's image and and that we have a right to grow to our fullest human potential as human beings. And that means that everybody has a right to food, clothing, shelter, health care, gainful employment, education, and that we as a church work very hard to provide that opportunity to people, which is why I love the social teachings of the Catholic Church and I am so much in admiration of the work that your office does because it is central to who we are as Catholics and as Christians. Hmm. Well, we have a new renewed focus around evangelization as a diocese with our new strategic plan. And that's something we've done a lot of thinking about is how, you know, this work is so important to our evangelization. Jesus' first public sermon was, you know, he's anointed me, the Spirit has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And so much of Jesus' ministry was proclaiming God's goodness, and God's goodness uh, meant very concrete things for people's lives. Uh, It meant uh, salvation, it meant forgiveness of our sins, and it also meant the meeting of one another's needs and learning how, as Pope Francis in the recent uh, Laudato Si encyclical says, you know, everything is interconnected. So all those things you mentioned, you know, that that, uh, we can't put a person in isolation by themselves, we can't isolate one issue or one area of their lives by itself. We have to look at the whole person we have to look at our whole society and figure out in what ways are we promoting a society in which uh, human flourishing is really the goal and that we're promoting the common good and that we're promoting the dignity of each and every person. And all those things weave together in a way that really, I think, honestly, really challenges us in many ways yes. because our culture, our society, sometimes even within our church, we're tempted to isolate you know, one area or another area. We kind of divide up the person into this or that and and uh, God, as you mentioned at the beginning, God's looking at all, all of us. God's yes. looking at the whole me and the whole yes. you and whole everyone and, and, and all, all of us as a church and as a community. So we, we every issue we look at, we look at it from the perspective of how does this impact this person, this person who might be in need, who might be threatened, who might be in need of protection, and then the people that care for them and the community they're in and how those impact one another. And so it's a big task, but it's also we, we have a big God that, yes. is, that has you know created us and that has created us, we believe, to to flourish and to live in that kind of a flourishing, healthy community. And so um, so there's great cause for hope. <laughs> oh, I think so. And, and the scope of your office is so broad precisely because, you know, when we say people have a right to uh, access to health care and education and gainful employment and those kinds of things, that's not just if we have time <laughs> mm-hmm. to deal with that or mm-hmm. get there. Those are all things that always have to be on the front burner for us in terms of being advocates for uh, other human beings to have access to those items that help us to grow into the people that God wants us to be. Yeah, that list you gave reminds me of the li- similar list that John the Twenty Third gave in his Pacham in Terrace, where he talked about how every person has the right to life and the right to uh, employment, all the necessary social service, all that whole list, right? And so absolutely the right to life is foundational we all need to live to to flourish to have our existence be honored in our in our personhood and then at every stage that that involves other people you know we have a new 
campaign our bishops are, are engaging around walking with moms in need, and we're really talking about walking with everyone in need. How can every parish, Christ Cathedral, as, as the leader here in every parish in the diocese, be a place where if somebody has a need and they come and knock on our door, we're going to be ready to know how to respond? And so when we talk about, you know, people, moms with women with unexpected pregnancy, when we talk about people struggling with domestic violence, when we talk about uh, migrants, when we talk about, um, you know, families separated, when we talk about people at end of life, it's always a question of how are we walking with those who are in need in front of us and accompanying them and finding ways to help them to flourish. But it's never a person in isolation. It's a person that finds himself in a family, in a community, in a in a system of, of laws, some of which may be just, some of which may be unjust, and how do we address those realities? Absolutely. The connections are essential to acknowledge and to honor and to build mm-hmm. upon. You've been listening to Cathedral Square. I'm your host, Father Christopher Smith, and my guest today is Mr. Greg Walgenbach, who is the Director of the Office of Life, Justice, and Peace in the Diocese of Orange. Speaking of the Diocese of Orange, your office moved from being on the campus of what was called Marywood Center, which was the offices of the diocese and the center of the diocese. Now you're on a campus called Christ Cathedral Campus. And I'm just wondering what your experience has been specifically in the development of your office since you've been here at the Christ Cathedral Campus. Has it affected it in any way, and and how has that happened? I would say it has. I mean, uh, speaking of our interconnectedness, you know, the, our previous, and I had one year at the formal pastoral center up on the hill at Marywood. And it was a beautiful location with a lot of history. Um, it was up on a hill and people saw it as up on a hill. And now we're down here at the cathedral campus in a, in a bustling city in the center in many ways of the diocese. And, and we're surrounded by the realities of our church. So we have Christ Community Outreach Center. That, that does great work here on the campus with those who are homeless or hungry or need. We have a school. We have a memorial gardens. We have the parish with all of its bustling richness and diversity and, and beauty. And we have so, so I think that helps us in many ways. It's helped me for the, in our office of life, justice and peace to remember not to neglect any of the different parts of our church and who we are. And so I think, you know, it's been essential for us to think about ways that we can connect with Catholic schools as there's Christ Cathedral Academy here on the campus. It's, uh, how we can connect with the different ways that we work with folks at the end of life and beginning of life. And so I, I think being here has been a helpful reminder of what the church is called to be as a community of communities, as we talk about. And and also it's provided a wonderful opportunity for us to do the things kinds of things that a cathedral does to lead and to model and to reflect uh, who the church is and what we're about, and including hosting different kinds of public uh, events of prayer or showcasing certain exhibitions or having masses for different areas, whether it's a mass for the unborn or a mass for migrants or, you know, to allow us to do that together as a whole diocese, as a community here at the cathedral has been a, a real gift. Well, cathedrals traditionally have been places of outreach to the materially poor and marginalized places of refuge and care. And uh, I've said many times that I hope over time that our campus here not just be an example of what it means to be a place of outreach to the materially poor and marginalized and advocates, but we be a a beacon, Mm -hmm. you know, and a shining Mm -hmm. example of what that is all about. And where we're located here in Orange County is very significant because we're surrounded by this microcosm of the world with Disneyland down the street and the Honda Center and all those entertainment places. And then we have a UCI Medical Center 
We have juvenile hall, family court, places of great pain, and all kinds of people come to the campus, actually, that have been to those places. And so we have this great opportunity to be a place of witness. Absolutely, and and we're we're right next door to the biggest Vietnamese community outside of Vietnam, and Little Arabia, and our wonderful Hispanic communities and neighborhoods, and yes. all of our just a wonderful mix of of everyone in Southern California. And so it is a real gift to be here. And and your list that you mentioned reminds me of the beautiful stations of service that are here at Christ Cathedral, where uh, you can actually come and get a brochure and walk around different locations on the campus that keeps those. Uh, those different uh, areas in mind. You can look out over the uh, juvenile detention center and pray for those who are in prison and think about ways that we can uh, visit and, and minister to them. We look at St. Uh, UCI Medical Center in the hospital. We we look at the memorial gardens, and we're able to walk those stations of service and prayer and be reminded of that. That's a beautiful thing to do when you come to campus here. Yes, and if you do come to the campus, I hope you take advantage of those stations. And in the lobby of the Tower of Hope and the Cultural Center, we have a booklet that will guide you through each of the stations. It will describe it. And, and there's some beautiful prayers in those uh, books, too. So mm-hmm. that's a, another way to keep our outreach to those who are suffering in pain, those who are in need right at the forefront of our mind. Your office has sponsored many activities uh, since you've been here on the campus, and there's a lot to look forward to in the future. So we're going to take a break right now, but when we come back, I'd like to hear a little bit about those events that you have sponsored and really talk about what are some of our hopes for the future. Great. Welcome back to Cathedral Square. Today, we're talking to Mr. Greg Walkenbach, who is the Director of the Office of Life, Justice, and Peace here in the Diocese of Orange. We've been talking about the work of the office and its placement here on the Christ Cathedral campus. And Greg, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the events that your office has sponsored here on the campus uh, in the past several months. Yeah, thank you. And again, thank you for having me here today. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, it's been a real gift to be here at Christ Cathedral Campus and to be able to use the uh, the space and the um, the centrality and, and, and the nature of the cathedral for these events. One that comes to mind first is uh, early on when we first moved in here. It was one of the first big events that was held at the campus was a prayer for uh, immigration reform, a prayer for migrants out here. We had some upwards of 3,000 people out in the cathedral plaza. Bishop Van uh, led prayer uh I believe you were there as I the MC for the that. event mm-hmm. and wonderful uh, getting the pr- crowd going with uh, prayer. And and, uh, and and that was a great time of coming together to remember our common commitments to our migrant sisters and brothers. And and the uh, at, at that point and continues on today, a lot of the, the fears that the community has, I think, to see the cathedral and the bishop and, and you and other clergy and deacons, everyone coming together to in support and solidarity was a powerful a statement from the cathedral to say we walk with those who are in fear, those who are marginalized, those who need greater justice in our society. A couple of years later, we hosted a migrant stations of the cross in uh, the oh powerful in, yeah in the cultural center 
And that was a, an exhibit brought in of items that were actually left behind, found in the desert by people who had left in a rush or in some cases had died crossing the border. And they and an artist created Stations of the Cross, walking us through Jesus's life and, and reflecting upon oh, the suffering Oh, I remember of those. They were so powerful. I mean, there was shoes of little kids and and articles left behind. It was just it was wrenching when you thought about the people, you know, that actually walked in those shoes. It, it really is, and, and it was a it, and it's there's something very um, Catholic and sacramental and, yes. and tangible about that engagement. I think for for a lot of people who came through, a lot of people who were migrants themselves and were retelling their stories to their kids in tears as they walked through and were reminded of their own journeys, and and others who didn't have that story themselves. At our southern border, we all have a migrant stories in our lives and our family histories. But but they would go through, and I had a couple people who came and told me I I didn't know what this was all about. I didn't even know if I liked it. But they walked through the whole thing, and they came out and said, you know what? I had no idea. Yes. I had no idea. I had several people who were came out a little teary-eyed and said, you know, I had no idea. And, uh, and that they were thinking about this struggle a little bit differently after that. And so those are the kinds of powerful... One of the other events we do here every year is we host a, a mass for the protection of the unborn, and we host a ministry fair after that time of prayer for all of our pregnancy centers, shelters, and clinics, also in the in the cultural center. And that's become a powerful time on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, January 22nd, to come together in prayer um, for greater justice and protection uh, for human life, and also for talking about how we can all get involved to help uh, women in need in crisis at every stage, you know, um, of life and, and to kind of really walk along and support our agencies and organizations that do such great work. Um, part of what gives me so much hope in a ministry with all this laundry list of very difficult issues in our society, uh, some people say, isn't that depressing? <laughs> and, and I say, well, no, no, it's not. It's, it gives me great hope because I get to work and meet with all these people who are doing incredible work at our pregnancy centers and shelters at Catholic Charities working with migrants and refugees, at those accompanying people at the end of life, our Catholic health care system day in, day out, working with patients, continuing the healing ministry of Christ, uh, those who are praying uh, and trying to do sidewalk counseling with women, those who are working with domestic uh, violence uh, survivors, all of those things. There's so many good people doing good work. And even though we face a lot of challenges in many of these areas, both in terms of our justice in our society or our own accompaniment at, at, at our parishes. There's so many people that are in the trenches really doing great work to, to live out and exhibit the gospel in that way. You know, as you talk, Greg, I've, you know, I've, I've often said over the years uh, for myself as a priest, I've said before that priests really should be among the most people grateful and being inspired of anybody because of what you said, we see a lot of pain. We see people in their suffering. Mm-hmm. We see mm-hmm. people in their grief and their disillusionment and all of those things. And what I've seen over almost 42 years, so many people just keep going through based on their faith mm-hmm. and they, they, they rely on God. Um, they, they give themselves a second chance and those are all hard things to do. But really, I think, Engaged in some of the most painful experiences of people's life is really an opportunity to see the nobility of the human person. Absolutely, and I, th- I think that's part of our how we're thinking as well, our work of evangelization around this area, because part of it's helping people to recognize the way that they have seen God in their lives, that God has been present even when they haven't named it. 
and to help people to name it, to help people to see that when you were in this moment of crisis and you had these people come alongside of you and care for you, or that you had out of the blue something happen that just brought you through that, you know, God, God is at work and to help people to name that, help people that are involved in a lot of these social ministries around life and justice. Sometimes all of us can get caught up in the kind of the, the tasks and the work and the fight and it becomes kind of a, an activism. And I think it's to help, help us remember that, um, this is actually a, a calling we have to be present to people and to minister and to live out our faith. And so it's to help when we get caught up in the activist mode to remember that this is about the gospel. This is about living out our, the life and light of Christ. And it's to help, I think on the, from the other end, help many of us who are very connected to our faith and full of prayer and, and, and engaging in spirituality to not neglect and forget that there's an aspect of our faith also that's challenging us to, make sure that that spirituality is translating into action and into engagement um, with all these issues. So it kind of, it's a reminder to us both of the ways on the pendulum we can sometimes swing to stay close to Christ in his very concrete gospel ministry to people. Yes, and and I'm reminded, uh, not some uh, so long ago, we had uh, the scripture reading where Jesus says, you're the light of the earth, you're, mm. the, you're the light of the world, the salt of the earth, and mm. And I was suggesting um, during a homily that day that uh, Jesus gave us a great compliment <laughs> when he called us light and salt, um, entrusting us with, with shining light, his light, in the places where there's darkness in the world. And, you know, salt spices things up a little bit. You know, you know when you don't have it and you know when you, <laughs> when you have too much. <laughs> and for Jesus to have entrusted us with shining that light in places of darkness and to add flavor to life in the sense of the, the the flavor of compassion and mercy and forgiveness it's a great uh, privilege to be able to do that absolutely and that that light is uh there is great cause for hope but but we do also face the struggles in this work because it is difficult work a lot of times we're seeing we're in places or we see situations of of hopelessness or places where people are having their spirits crushed in many ways and we think what can we do to respond um, some of the things also that that are, give me great cause for concern is the great divisions even within our own church and the way we fall into different sense of what how we engage these issues and a lot of argument and disagreement. And this past weekend's uh, readings were on uh, uh, or recent readings were on the uh, all about love of the enemy. Yes. <laughs> God's call, and I and I, I think about that often in this work. I mean, we do have peace as part of our office name and peacemaking. But there's a lot of ways that I think we, we would do well to take those to heart, even as a church yes. and as we minister together and think about, you know, this may not be my primary ministry or passion, but it's somebody else's. And how do we all work together to have that sense of unity in Christ and and really to not allow the the divisions of the world to further divide us as a church, but to have that sense of oneness in Christ and commitment to the, the person and their dignity, to the common good and and it's not easy to do that and there's struggles, but that how can we remain unified as we do that and not allow the, the cultural, the political, the other divisions to, to rip us apart as a church and our witness. And I, I think that's very important because we live in a time where there are a lot of divisions and, and when we're divided ourselves as well, I think that's, that, that hurts our witness to Jesus. Oh, it does. And it's hard to witness sometimes in, with some of the attitudes of the world today. Mm. I remember I was thinking about it just this last week about the Jesus love your enemies. Mm. I remember one time I was giving a talk and I gave a talk and mentioned, uh, talked a little bit about that. And then after this talk, this person came up to me and she said, father, that was just a great talk. I loved your talk. It was just wonderful. There's just one thing I disagreed with. 
And I said, well, what was that? She said, you know what? That love your enemies part. I just don't agree with that. <laughs> and I said, not my material. <laughs> that was Jesus talking, you know, always to kind of, as that same passage says, to, to go the extra mile. Yeah, and and it's so easy to forget, and it, and it's very easy to in the in the in the process of trying to fight for human dignity, whether it's for the unborn or for the migrant or for homeless or for whoever, to then diminish the dignity of somebody that I'm trying to work with, yes, or some exactly. if I'm sitting across from a legislator and I can diminish their dignity, or I'm talking to a fellow parishioner who has a very different viewpoint than I do on this topic, and I can diminish their dignity. So how do we respect the dignity of, of one another, even when we have significant disagreements? That That's a conversation that matters, too, because we're called to protect human dignity at, at all stages, including the stage of right now, where we're two people talking to each other. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Greg, it's been great talking about your office and its work. What can we look forward to? What What's your vision for the future in the ministry here in the diocese? Well, there are so many areas that uh, that we continue to seek to grow in. There are so many things in all of the areas that I've mentioned that we we want to do. Uh, we look forward to more opportunities to work alongside Christ Cathedral Campus here and putting on uh, symposiums, kind of events around different topics. There's two particular areas that I think have gotten a little less attention that I hope to do more on in the coming year or two. And one is the uh, the pastoral letter against racism that the bishops put out recently mm-hmm. and to talk about how we engage. And that's not just about that, but how we engage these difficult conversations, how we look to some of the ways that we are divided as communities and how we can come to better mutual understanding and and work on that some more. We have a, a beautiful, as mentioned, diverse culture here in Orange County, and that's a wonderful, beautiful thing. And oftentimes it comes with conflicts, and we, we're not always addressing those in helpful ways. So looking at that, the other big one is uh, that's really been a global priority for the church and for Pope Francis certainly is care for creation. And so yes. we're really looking for ways that we can, without setting aside or stopping any of the other many things we're working on, but to really think together on how we can do more work to highlight our care for creation and that connectedness that we have, getting all of us more involved in this concern to be good stewards of of creation, to work on whether that be from the legislative side, the California bishops just put forward a beautiful pastoral letter on care for creation with a lot of action steps. And I'd recommend our reader, your listeners, uh, take a look at that. Um, But also to think about how we can do some of that on the campus, but throughout the diocese about getting more care for creation teams, working on people. Uh, It's the fifth anniversary of Laudato Si this year. That's uh, right. And the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. So we have a good year here to kind of really think about, do some evaluation on how we're we're working on that and, and what else we could be doing in the meantime. So... Well, that's wonderful. There's a lot of exciting and good ministry ahead. And I thank you very much for all of the work that you do and the ways that you so wonderfully carry forward the mission of the church, particularly regarding the materially poor and marginalized, those who are suffering, and all of the aspects of that that you so well articulated today. Well, it is only possible with this great group of, of volunteers and staff and clergy and lay faithful who are at work and working on all these issues. So I'm grateful and thank you for having me today. Sure. You've been listening to Cathedral Square. We can be heard on Saturday mornings beginning at 1030 on Relevant Radio. And as we end today's program, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to bring your life and your love to the world. Help us to be witnesses to your healing, merciful, forgiving presence in the world. And in everything, we desire to give you glory and honor as we say, glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
You've been listening to the Cathedral Square Radio Show with Father Christopher Smith. To hear this program again or to download the podcast, go to OCCatholic.com and click Radio. Be sure to share and tell a friend as well. Have a blessed day.